0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works COVID 19 update. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. As many of you know, there are basically two exemptions when employers mandate COVID 19 vaccines medical and religious. Most of us can wrap our heads around a medical exemption. Uh, such exam- exemptions are a little more concrete than religious exemptions. In this episode, we're going to discuss in some detail the religious exemption for the COVID-19 vaccine. We're gonna learn how it applies, what the limitations are, and how HR can interact with employees that claim such an exemption. I'm pleased to be joined today by Morgan E. Geffrey, an associate at Fulston's Employment and Labor Law Practice Group in Wichita, Kansas. She assists employers with the review and development of comprehensive employment policies and procedures, and proactively researches rapidly evolving issues to help clients stay ahead of developing legal trends. Morgan writes in depth about relevant legal matters for the Midwest Employment Law Letter and Kansas Employment Law blog. She actually recently wrote an article on this topic. We will provide a link to that article in the description. Thank you very much, Morgan, for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Jim.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, Let's just get started with what is a religious belief or practice and how can it be at odds with a vaccination?
1: So as you know, Title VII is going to uh, protect individuals that have a uh, religious belief from any kind of discrimination. And so uh, like the first question is going to be, what exactly is a religious belief? They're obviously the well-known like, mainstream churches, um, but it, Title VII is going to protect religious beliefs, practices, observance, way, way beyond that. Uh, so, like, first, employers need to know that they have an obligation to assume that the employee's belief belief is religious. Um, so, it doesn't have to be the typical beliefs about God. It can be extended to moral and ethical beliefs as to you know what is what is right and wrong. Um, and beliefs they do need to be held though with the strength of your traditional religious views. Um, generally, religion should include the ultimate ideas about life and purpose and death. But what's important for employers to always go in thinking is that I, I'm not familiar with every aspect of every religion and every religious tenant. Um, and What gets really complicated is that an employee's individual practices can deviate from the exact religious tenets of a specific religion, and it can still be a religious belief. So an employer can't say, well, you know, other members of that church don't believe in this exact same thing. So request denied. Um, And another thing that's complicated is that employees can also have religious beliefs and they can be they can be the only member of the religion and so that that's really where it, it gets complicated and so a religious belief is just going to be whatever that employee um whatever beliefs that employee holds sincerely
0: that's uh, very interesting it seems like you would probably need a theology degree to navigate most of that stuff
1: but but it even still gets complicated because employees can go off on their own and have their own different separate religions. And so you really don't need any sort of extra education and you just kind of mm. gotta trust your employees.
0: Okay. Well that's very interesting. Um I understand that the individual's motivation plays a role, uh, which sounds complicated to me. Can you explain that a little bit?
1: So because an employer has to assume that the individual's beliefs are religious and sincerely held, um, that that's going to be the the first thing to think about that there, you have to assume that their motivation is pure. Um, but their, their motivations can't simply be personal, social, political, economic philosophies. It has to extend past that to, um, maybe more of your traditional looking religion and so because an individual's motivation plays into the question that's really the reason why religious accommodation requests get so difficult because how in the world can you know what an employee's individual motivation is for um for their religion and so you know there there are two things that you don't talk about at work you don't talk religion and you don't talk politics and so here in order to find out the employee's motivation you kind of you have to have that conversation and so um, it, it is very different than an, a different kind of accommodation request so for disability the employer and the employee has to prove that they have the disability and um un, unless it's super obvious whereas religion the threshold is is going to be very low because you start with having to assume that the employee um, holds pure motivations behind that request.
0: Right. So kind of what we're talking about here is the employers have to give the employees the benefit of the doubt, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. One of the things I'm curious about is, you know, for some organizations, it may not be as big of a deal. You know, those that, that are mandating vaccines but aren't, like, say, a medical organization, you know, where someone getting COVID could could really put a large population at risk. I imagine that a lot of organizations just decide not to contest any religious exemptions. Is that largely the case?
1: Uh, so generally, you're going to see religious exemption or religious accommodation request in um, dress code policies and uh, work schedules. hey, I need off for um, for this specific holy day and it it is very easy to accommodate that request. And because the burden on the the company isn't really that much, it doesn't make sense to have to challenge the uh, the religion and the beliefs right. of the employee and it, and so it's it's generally not that big of a deal in in other aspects but when it comes to vaccines and getting vaccines it's going to be um it's a lot more important and the burden on the company is going to it can really shake up what uh the, the company looks like and there is a lot more business necessity when it comes to vaccines and so there are other options. It's not like when an employee says, yes, I have this actual, real, sincerely held religious belief. Uh, I don't get a vaccine and I continue on my work day every day, like every day. Right. Um, the, the employer does have the ability to come back and say, well, okay, you're not going to get the vaccine, but what else can we do? Because we're not just going to put you back into your normal work area, your normal work day. And so what else can we do? Does it look like There are a lot of options, whether it's simply adding additional PPE, maybe modifying work duties so that you can better social distance. Um, You can adjust an employee's work schedule so that they aren't overlapping, Um, maybe move their work area so they're not with other employees or around customers. obviously if it's possible allow the employee to work from home but if you're in a specific industry or workplace you may have the option to have the only reasonable accommodation to allow would be an unpaid leave of absence mm. and that could be okay in certain situations so that that is an option for employers that you know if if their employees don't want to get vaccinated because of religious reasons fine here's an unpaid leave of absence until we've reached herd immunity or until um until we're more comfortable in this workplace
0: right yeah i think a lot of people are that don't want to get vaccinated and might misuse a religious exemption or even people that have a legitimate religious exemption are probably expecting a battle you know this topic has been so politicized i can imagine a situation where you know, employees are ready to say, like, oh, I'm going to quit or, you know, either you, either I don't get a vaccination or I'm going to quit. Um, and we've done a little, there's been a little bit of research out there indicating that it's a pretty large percentage of people feel that they would leave their organization if they were forced to get a vaccination. But what you're saying is that it's not really like that. They're not going to be at the door saying, get this or you have to or you have to leave the job. There's this whole interactive process that happens in between.
1: Correct. Yes. I mean, there are going to be the employees that don't have any sort of religion or disability related reason for it. And by all means, the employer has the right to say, okay, here's the door. Um, If you don't want to get a vaccine and you don't have any sort of exemption, fine. But if an employee does say, hey, I have a religious belief that precludes me from getting this vaccine, the, the option isn't to just show them the door. That that opens you up to all sorts of other risks and liability. And so you do have to sit and have the conversation of how, how can we make this situation work?
0: Yeah, and that's that's the other thing I want to talk about is this is obviously a tricky situation. I think that a lot of employees probably believe that their religion is nobody's business. And it is one of those things that in other realms you're not really, you're really not supposed to talk about it as an employer. I mean, it, what does it serve you? And you certainly aren't supposed to like mandate that people do prayer and things like that. So it's, it's one of these situations where I I can only imagine the kind of hesitancy with which employers are going forward. And um, I mean, I generally feel for, for medical facilities that have to navigate this because it's, that's where you're gonna see people really putting their foot down. That's where with like the flu vaccination you've seen, which it often gets compared to because it's it's really the only one we we have to look at. We see people saying, this is what you're gonna do or you can't work here. Um, so I guess the question is, how do employers approach this? I mean, I understand there's the interactive process, but what advice do you have for an HR person that has someone knock on their door Sending them an email saying, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get the vaccination."
1: So because we're kind of early in on the stage of getting vaccinations, and it's not completely widely available yet, now is a, the prime time to really, really plan ahead. And so having the conversation of, "Are we going to mandate it? And when we mandate it, how are we gonna handle that?" And so it's really important to, from an HR perspective start with forms, um, and getting those ready. And then also start kind of coaching supervisors and managers when an employee comes to you and says, Hey, I have this religious accommodation request that says, I don't want to get a vaccine. Um, and have them know exactly what to do and, and always, you know, direct them to HR. And so when it comes to a religious accommodation request form, um, that's going to, Having something like that really helps the employer and guides the process um, because that form allows the employee to, for the first time, explain their belief, explain what religion it is, kind of um, say that this is sincerely held. um, And one of the other important things to include in that kind of form is maybe a warning that says, Mm. hey... In some cases, the company may need additional information or documentation about your religious beliefs and practices. So we may need to discuss the nature of your request with, um, with your religious or spiritual leader or um, religious scholars or um, anyone else that you can direct us to, or specifically any documentation that you can re- you can direct us to that shows your need for the accommodation. And so that form kind of really sets the tone and really, really, really sets out the direction of the conversation because the employer or the employee has already given you the information and then you can just do your own follow up from there versus starting at square one and having that conversation. Having that in writing first is really helpful.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. well, we're just about out of time, but just a last question. What is, uh, what's something we're not thinking of? Is there anything we're missing here?
1: Um, so when it, when it comes to uh, the sincerity of w- how in the world do you know whether or not an employee is being sincere? Yeah. First, you're always going to assume that they're being sincere. But if you do have a bona fide objective basis to doubt that sincerity, um, you, you can ask for more. Obviously, always get the employee's um, written statement first, and then, you know, is there any documentation? Maybe we can get something from your spouse or a co-worker that knows that this is your belief or, you know, if necessary, a spiritual or religious leader. But how do you know that you need to go that far? Um, the EEOC does a really great job of kind of pointing out a few things that an employer should consider first of like... If an employee has um, behaved differently in the past, you know that they've always gotten a flu vaccine, but now they mm. all want the, um, they don't want the COVID vaccine. That's going to be a trigger for an employer of maybe I need to look more. Or at this point, we know that there are lots of people that are going to want to refuse to get vaccines for completely uh, non-religious reasons. And okay. so we're already going to be on kind of like heightened watch for that situation. Um, let's say the employee has already said, hey, I don't want a vaccine because this goes against my political views and I don't want it. And then now the employer's turning around and saying, oh, by the way, I have this religious reason. Hmm. Um, and then there's uh, a- any other any other thing that you can think of that would lead you to believe that they don't really have a sincere religious belief. So you have to kind of go walk through those considerations first before you even have the opportunity to question it. And so and but there's two questions. One is it religious and two is it sincere. And so there's those two separate considerations as well. But then you also have to be careful to toe the line. You can't go too far. You can't automatically go straight to, Hey, I need a statement from your spiritual leader. Um, you, you have to start small. You have to don't, don't do it haphazardly, have the conversation because if you go too far and if you're overly intrusive, that is again, opening yourself up to claims for discrimination and retaliation. Um, And so it it really is a fine line and that you have to consider, is it worth it to even question?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine the swath of uh, lawsuits that are going to come up Um, because even if someone, my understanding is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that the EEOC will look at any complaint regardless as to whether it's merit or meritless or not, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can imagine a bunch of people that are misunderstanding this process, misunderstanding their rights within the process, feeling offended or upset and then filing lawsuits, which as we all know, even if it's frivolous, it still wastes a bunch of time and resources for employers.
1: One thing that is interesting is that when it comes to claims of religious discrimination and charges filed with the EEOC, religion is one of the smallest. It's only, you know, Under 5% of the Mm. claims every year includes some allegation of religious discrimination. And so it'll be very interesting to see how much higher that goes up. But I could see it honestly not being that much because I really do think employers are going to Mm. be extra cautious and very, very careful.
0: That will be interesting. Uh, Maybe we'll have to get together again in six or eight months and uh, once those numbers are in and see how things fared. It's the case with a lot of these lawsuit-oriented discussions, it's, you know, most of the time it's not what happens, but when it does happen, it's extremely destructive. Um, well, thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time to join us again.
1: Of course, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, uh, the COVID-19 update was meant to be a temporary addition to the HR Works podcast until the pandemic slowed down or went away. While that hasn't happened, we are waiting on the COVID-19 relief package, which contains many implications for employers and HR before we continue the series, with the goal of providing commentary and guidance on COVID-related employment law issues. For now, we're going to take a one or two week break before we resume these shorter episodes. We're not entirely sure what the future of these Friday episodes will be, but in all likelihood, we will be back with other employment law-related episodes before the relief package passes, and even well after the pandemic dies down. I'd like to thank you all for being ardent listeners. Whatever happens, we do still have our regular, full-length episodes every other Tuesday. The next one will be on March 2nd, where we'll explore what to do when employees refuse a vaccine or threaten to quit if vaccines are mandatory. That episode is a panel episode, uh, and we explore it from an employment law, medical, and HR perspective. I hope you all tune in. Don't forget, if you are looking for the latest HR guidance, including employment laws, you can always subscribe to the HR Daily Advisor or visit us at hrdailyadvisor.com. We publish a couple articles every day covering a wide range of HR-related topics. Finally, if you have enjoyed HR Works COVID-19 update or longer episodes, please consider subscribing on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. We'd also love to hear from you if you have favorite episodes or if you would like to share with us what you want to see going forward. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HRWorks.